morning and welcome to Southern Remedy. You're listening to Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Summer is right around the corner and we will all be spending more time outdoors. We want to help you have a safe and healthy summer. My guest today is Dr. Carl Mangum, Associate Professor of Nursing at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and my go-to safety expert for all things related to health promotion. We want to hear from you today with your questions, comments, and stories about summer safety. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. North Carolina's controversial voter ID law will not be reinstated. NPR's Pam Fessler reports the U.S. Supreme Court has declined to consider an appeal by state Republicans. The voter ID law was struck down last year by a lower court that found that the measure was intentionally discriminatory and targeted African-American voters with, quote, almost surgical precision. The state's ID measure was among the strictest in the nation and was enacted by the Republican-controlled legislature shortly after the Supreme Court struck down a key part of the Voting Rights Act. Lawmakers said the measure was needed to prevent fraud, but the appeals court disagreed. The law also imposed restrictions on early voting and registration. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote that the high court's refusal to consider an appeal did not signify an opinion on the merits of the case. Pam Fessler, NPR News, Washington. North Korea's Kim Jong-un regime is singing the praises of its own military might. It showed off a new kind of medium-long-range ballistic rocket it says is capable of carrying a heavy nuclear warhead. It's the kind of progress that comes as bad news to other countries concerned about the security threat posed by the head of the reclusive nation. The Army is expected to release Chelsea Manning from the military prison at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas this week. Manning drew a 35-year prison sentence for leaking an enormous amount of classified material. But as Frank Morris of member station KCUR notes, former President Obama commuted Manning's sentence just before leaving office. Manning had access to sensitive information working as an Army intelligence analyst in Iraq and leaked hundreds of thousands of classified documents, diplomatic cables, and Army reports to WikiLeaks. Manning was charged and convicted as Bradley Manning, but announced her transgender identity around the time she began serving her sentence at the disciplinary barracks at Fort Leavenworth. After initially resisting, the Army allowed Manning to undergo hormone therapy and gender transition surgery in prison. Manning's been locked up almost seven years, spending some of that time in solitary confinement. In commuting her sentence, President Obama said that Manning had already served a tough prison sentence. For NPR News, I'm Frank Morris. President Trump's revised travel ban executive order is back in court today. Here's NPR's Joel Rose. The state of Hawaii argues that this executive order is essentially the Muslim ban the president promised during the campaign. But the Trump administration denies that. Lawyers for the Department of Justice argue that the judges should focus only on the letter of the order itself, which they say is intended to protect national security in a way that is perfectly legal. Joel Rose reporting. Confronted with growing worries about more travel restrictions on flights to the U.S., a European Union will be meeting with U.S. aviation and security officials in Brussels this week. 
They're expected to talk about U.S. proposals to broaden its ban of devices brought inside a cabin to laptops and tablets. This is NPR News. Companies worldwide are on heightened alert at the start of the work week after a string of ransomware cyber attacks that began Friday. Roughly 150 countries have been targeted by hackers using malicious software to seize control of people's accounts and demand payments from their victims to have it all go away. The initial attack froze computers in the U.K.'s hospital network and wreaked havoc in other countries. Mutinous soldiers in Ivory Coast are refusing to back down despite military orders to desist from their protests over back pay and bonuses. NPR's Afebi Quistarkton says there are reports the army has begun attempts to put down the mutiny following renewed gunfire in the country's two main cities. The revolt is spreading across Ivory Coast. Mutineers have been firing off weapons in the commercial capital Abidjan, erstwhile rebel headquarters Boaké, Dalwa, the cocoa hub, and the main cocoa port San Pedro. President Alassane Ouattara is strapped for cash to pay outstanding bonuses. Dwindling cocoa revenues and the collapse of the cocoa price are hurting Ivory Coast's economy. After a mutiny in January, the president paid a first installment of salary arrears to disgruntled former rebels, now soldiers, who fought for Ouattara during the Civil War. The mutineers angrily renewed their protest after a spokesman unilaterally announced Thursday that they dropped pay dispute demands. Ophelia Quistarkton, NPR News, Lagos. U.S. stocks are trading higher. The Dow is up 78 at 20,974. The Nasdaq is up 22 points, S&P 500 up 11. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from Blue Vine, offering businesses revolving lines of credit to help them grow and expand. Credit lines up to $100,000. Small business credit help is available at bluevine.com and Americans for the Arts at americansforthearts.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And here with me today is safety expert, Dr. Carl Mangum, who is also uh, faculty at the School of Nursing at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we are talking about summer safety today. So anything that you guys want to talk about related to being safe while you're outdoors, we want to hear from you today. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And I want to throw out that I really want to talk about the heat because it is already getting hot here in Mississippi and all across the South. And there are several conditions that can kind of develop in, in the hot weather. There are heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and heat stroke. And so if you've got questions about any of those, go ahead and, and call in. We've got a couple of open lines. And then we will uh, talk about that after we go visit Buddy in Greenville. Good morning, Buddy. Good morning. How are you? All right. Good. What can we help you with today? Well, I just wanted to uh, discuss Lyme disease. Okay. Um, 
just really kind of wanted to see maybe what you or your guests know about Lyme disease. Uh, let me tell you first, I'm disabled because of Lyme disease. My son is disabled because of Lyme disease. I just got back from New York City, got, took him to a Lyme literate doctor, mm-hmm. and he's had it for years. So, How know, long I have you had Lyme disease? I would. Have, I well, bet you are the expert. Yeah, I take people to the doctor. I counsel with them, with them hours on the telephone. I public speak on the subject. Mm-hmm. I do whatever I can to, you know, offer healing for these people that's right. sick. Well, thank you for doing that. You know, I've had uh, I had a family member who also um, experienced Lyme disease, and you know, it is a tick-borne illness um, right. from a, a certain bacteria called Borrelia. And um, it, it, not all ticks carry that, but um, different varieties of ticks do. And the symptoms often people don't really attribute them to the tick bite. You know, it can be almost a kind of a flu-like illness, you know, fever, headache, just not feeling good. But one of the things that we really look out for is this special uh, rash that you get with it or this uh, target lesion that we look at for yeah, um, Lyme. Yeah. Right, but about, not everybody right. has that. Yeah. About 70% of the people that wind up with Lyme disease don't have the rash, much right. less don't ever see the tick. Right, absolutely, because they're the really tiny ticks um, that you often uh, carry this. And so, mm-hmm. you know, really the the what I promote, of course, is trying to prevent the tick bite from occurring in the first place, which yeah. would go along with, you know, insect repellents, wearing um, long clothing um and even what i tell folks to do is you know with their pants is to tuck the pants down into into their socks instead of just wearing your socks and then wearing pants over the top of it because those little critters will just crawl up your pants leg and and hop on do you have any other tips that you kind of that are your specialty that you always tell folks well uh you know people ask me what can i do to protect myself and i don't even count um propel off Right. All of that is uh, protection. The only thing I count is pymethrin or permethrin. Right. And you have to treat your clothes, you know, hours or the day before as you go out in tick-infested areas to actually properly protect yourself. And mm-hmm. then do what you're talking about, mm-hmm. the long pants, stuff in your socks or boots or whatever like mm-hmm. that. Because, you know, I've been hunting for over 40 years and, you know, in three different states. And I haven't been able to keep ticks off of right. 50% spray repel. Right. So it says it on the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. it will uh, deter ticks, but I haven't found that to be true. And it all depends, yeah, it all depends on the percent that's in the different products. And also, they they work for different amounts of time. So it all depends on how long you're going to be out um, in, in the outdoors as well. Some of them, pretty much the, the most common repellents that we pick up, are usually only effective for a couple of hours um, at, at the low doses uh, of those um, repellents. So, you know, you may yeah, have to I'm reply to those. 50%. Right. The 50%, 50% is a lot. Um, yeah, and that's 50%. That's the most you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then the other thing that I always tell folks is if your animals are going out with you, you know, if you're taking your animals out in the woods, make sure you give them a check when they come home and also brush them out, um, especially if they're household, if they come inside with you, um, because you don't want them to bring bring the ticks in as well. Just a carrier. 
they're just a host. Yep, they just hitch a ride and come on in yeah, with they you. Just come right in your house and, and crawl across the carpet or whatever, and you know, affect you. Yeah. So thank you. Know, you. But not all, you know. Another thing we've just gotten in the state of Mississippi is the Mississippi Legislature has enacted a the Mississippi Line Resolution, and so the Mississippi Legislature recognized the problems that people were having in uh, getting to the proper doctor when they got bitten in the state of Mississippi because a lot of medical people don't even recognize that we have ticks in in the state of Mississippi with Lyme disease in them. So, you know, it's been all kind of push for this resolution, and now we've got it, which recognizes, uh, you know, that fact. Also, we've got the Mississippi Lyme Association, which uh, which anybody can look up online. There's good information there. Well, thank you so much, buddy, and thanks for p- giving us those resources and those tips. And I'm sorry that you've had to go through um, Lyme disease, but I'm thankful that you're sharing your story and, and helping others uh, with that. So you have a great Monday, and thanks for calling. And we are taking your calls today about summer safety. We just talked to someone about tick-borne illnesses, and we'll be happy to talk more about that, or mosquitoes, or sun protection, or any of the topics that you want to about having a safe and healthy summer. Our number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Now, we talked about wanting to uh, broach the topic of, of heat safety because it is already getting hot here. I think it's supposed to be 89 or 90 today here in the metro. And there's kind of a continuum of symptoms that, that people can get when they're starting to get overheated. can range from things like heat cramps, which is often what we see uh, athletes get. Uh, we think of uh, football players getting uh, heat cramps, uh, even you know baseball, soccer players getting those cramps, all the way up to heat stroke. So, Dr. Mangum, what is the difference in all of those things, and how do we keep those things from happening? Uh, This is a great subject, and uh, here in Mississippi, um, almost all of us can face this on a daily basis. As far as heat cramps, that would kind of be the low end of it, um, besides just being hot. Um, They can have certain things like irritability, maybe even loss of appetite. Uh, They may even develop a rash, maybe a little nauseated. Um, and and, uh, the muscle cramps is a big thing that's out there, and they can uh, occur in the limbs and in the core of the body. And it's one of the things you need to look at. These these people need to sit down. They need to get where it's cool. They need to get some fresh water and uh, just get out of the heat uh, is one of the main things that we need to look at. Then you move on to heat exhaustion. And heat exhaustion, we usually think of people that are prolonged periods of time out in the heat um, and usually direct sunlight, but not always. We think of construction workers, um, the poor men and women laying asphalt this time of year. Uh, it gets pretty rough. Uh, any of them in construction, building houses. Um, then we also think of um, maybe our elderly um, people out just doing yard work and simply um, uh, just not paying attention to the time and how long they're exposed outside. And yet, usually you're going to have really profuse sweating. And I mean really sweating, sweating. Like you're like, where is all this coming from, sweating? Um, their, their skin will be cool and clammy. Um, and most of us kind of know what that feels. You'll touch them and their skin will feel cool. It'll feel wet. It's like they've had a water hose on them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they will definitely be um, have a weakened state. Their pulse may be a little weak, hard to find, um, and um, they they may actually become a little confused. It's even possible for that. So again, we want to get the victim uh, or the person in where it's cool. Now, I want to um, discourage people from taking them straight in and put them in the walk-in refrigerator or the <laughs> walk-in freezer. Uh, that's not something we want to do, just an air-conditioned place, even if it's a car or a truck or something like that. Um, we want them to have sips of water. We do not want them to start uh, guzzling because the next thing you know, they'll have uh, heat exhaustion and uh, vomiting, and we don't want that. So just simple sips of water, um, and to start trying to rehydrate them and, and get that fluid back in their system. If they do start vomiting, that's when you want to consider um, uh, getting medical assistance for them. Or if they pass completely out, anything that's beyond that you say, hey, this looks bad. Um, if your gut tells you to call 911, get help, call 911 and get help. Right. And then the, the other end of the, the spectrum there is the heat stroke. And this is a medical emergency. This is when you do need to call 911 and uh, get some help quickly. Uh, usually the person will stop sweating the bodies um, um, to the point where it's not going to sweat anymore. And they will be, um, some people say hot, and it really is hot if you've ever felt it. I've, I've felt one uh, person before that had heat stroke, and they were very hot to touch mm-hmm. when, you, when you feel of them. And they're dry. The body stops sweating, so they're hot and dry. Where with the heat exhaustion, we're looking at, cool and clammy. And so that's one of the big differences that you can see. Again, get them out of the heat. We do not want to give them the stuff to drink because you're in a medical emergency at this time and uh, they're going to need IV fluids and things like that. So uh, sometimes if you give them something to drink, um, it, it can make things worse. Um, you can do things like, you know, put, put a, as mama used to say, a cool wash rag on them right. and start cooling them off and things like that. Uh, but uh, heat stroke is a medical emergency. I definitely want to um, get that through and that you need to call 911 and get some help for these right. people. So kind of a, a parting uh, tag on that is <clears throat> usually if you're out normal, and, you know, you're doing some yard work, all that kind of stuff. Your skin's going to be warm to the touch and you're going to be sweaty. And that's okay. We just want to make sure that we adequately hydrate. And my tip for that is, of course, don't wait until you're thirsty to drink. You know, drink some water, um, one of the electrolyte waters, something like that. You know, every 15 minutes or so, take a break from whatever you're doing and take something to drink. Then if you get to that, I'm still sweaty, but I'm cool and clammy, that's a, okay, we got to stop this. We got to go inside. We got to get cool down. Some of those cool washcloths, that type of stuff. Again, um, small, uh, frequent uh, hydration with, you know, water or sports drink. Right. And like you said, if you know you're going to be outside um, uh, over a period of time, go ahead and start hydrating a couple of days before. And that's one of the recommendations we give a lot of people, especially the ones that are outside uh, most days during Mm -hmm. the summer. Take frequent breaks. Mm -hmm. Can't stress that enough. You've got to get in where it's cool. Um, What's the most popular thing in Mississippi in the summer? Shade. Right. Uh, and if you go to any parking lot that has a tree, even if it's um, the farthest one away from the door, that's where people are going to park is under that tree. And I'm guilty of that also. Um, but it, it's it's important that you take those frequent breaks and start that hydration before that period of time you're going to be outside and continue it while you're out there. All right. So we're going to uh, switch 
switch and go over to the phone lines and talk to Mikey in Mobile this morning. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Oh, what a wonderful show today. Oh, I mean, thank no you. Um, listen, uh, I want to add to, um, this is not what I called in initially about, which I'll get to in just a minute. But, um, <laughs> uh, add to what was just said by, the, oh, thank you. That is so, so informing. Um, a water bottle, a simple $1 buy it anywhere spritzer bottle right. with water in it. And bandanas, you know, again, you know, $1, you can usually find them um, uh, in combination. Fantastic for the sunstrokes. Uh, believe me, I've already done it all. <laughs> um, and, and You're right. Water called, bottles are great. Yeah. Um, uh, what, I, what I called about, though, is um, uh, whether or not a barrier, in other words, a type of fabric that might be um, uh, put over a pair of shorts or whatever uh, and tucked into socks, but it has a small enough mesh to it would be an effective uh, deterrent for things like um, ticks, of course, please. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, hey man, chiggers. I've already had the I've already had the chigger thing. There ain't nothing worse than the chigger thing. <laughs> oh, chiggers are terrible. They will just yeah. You know, growing up in the country, I have met my match with the chiggers before. They are terrible. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, of course gnats. Right. Also. So my question, as I say, to restate it, is um, is there is it possible to put? something that will still allow for circulation but um uh, will fit over a pair of shorts you know whatever uh and and tuck into socks um is will that help will it work you know i do not know of any commercially available material that you can do that with because you know it all depends on the size of the insect as to how big the opening could be in that mesh what we do know is that you can do if you're going to be outside let's say on your back porch you can use mosquito netting type material to drape that outdoor area so that you've got some protection coming in from that um, but to my knowledge i do not know of any uh, commercially available material that you can can wrap up in uh, but i will definitely take a a peruse through the internet and see if I catch if I catch out on anything about that and if I do then I'll bring it back up next week and we'll see if we uh, learned anything doing this show you're welcome thank you for calling and listening you have a great Monday you too ma'am all right all right we're going to go to Robert in Crystal Springs good morning Robert hey good morning how are you I'm fine what can we help you with today I was just going to ask the question about the drug Losartan that I take for a blood pressure pill mm-hmm it says to avoid excessive exposure to or artificial sun to sunlight or artificial sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed if I just go out in the yard for a few minutes with a pair of shorts on, my legs immediately begin to turn red. Mm-hmm. Should I avoid all sunlight, or is there some sunscreen that would work? Or right. So a lot of medications are something have something we call photosensitivity associated with them, and the, and losartan is one of those medications. And so when we get out in the sunlight. It makes people's skin react much more quickly to the sun than usual. So you will turn red a lot quicker. Um, some people even develop pretty significant rashes associated with that. So, yes, you should be using um, a, a sun protection, a, a sunscreen. And that goes for every single person, regardless of which medication you're on. 
Um, sunscreens, we should use at least an SPF of 15. Uh, and you can get lotions that have that that you can apply. Um, and then you can also get facial lotions as well. Because what we don't a lot of times think about is even when we're not out in the sun, but when we're in our car. So when you think about think about your, your driving position, most of us do not have our hands at 10 and 2. Most of us have one hand on the wheel and one hand propped on the, the window seal. And so uh, you get a fair amount of sun exposure on that arm as well as that side of your face. So sunscreen is important for every single individual um, out there, regardless of how much time you're going to be in. And you should put it on about you know 15 or 20 minutes before you go out in the morning so uh, a lot of women's makeup moisturizers have spf um, added in them uh, but we want to put that on before we go out in the morning so yes you should be using some sunscreen and that should hopefully help but you do want to limit your time in the sun as well thank you so much you're welcome bye-bye and if you want to talk with us today about summer safety, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the break. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This week on Ampton Wired, Los Brown. I always in my head. But sometimes I, I, I wake up Medication in the middle of the night with a melody in my head. So I knew that when I this saying, is what I God wanted. Hampton Wild. Watch it loud. Friday at 10 on Listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Here with my guest, Dr. Carl Mangum, also a nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, but my resident safety expert. And we are talking with you today about summer safety, and we would love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 1-877-672-7464 or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. 
Now, before we uh, went to the break, we were talking about kind of insects and bug safety and heat safety as well. And then we kind of trickled over into sun and uh, skin uh, disease with related to the sun. So if you want to talk with us about that, then you can go ahead and give us a call or send us an email. But we're going to go to Shannon in Yazoo City. Good morning, Shannon. Good morning. Um, my question is, does a tick have to be embedded for a certain length of time before you start to worry about Lyme disease and needing a prescription for doxycycline? Last Sunday, I had a tick on my temple, but I removed him with very little trouble. He didn't seem to be embedded. Mm -hmm. You know, they start to release things uh, in their saliva when they bite in. So, of course, the sooner you can get it off, the better. But just because you were able to get it off quickly and easily doesn't mean um, that there's not the potential for the transfer of that bacteria. So, you know, it all depends on the type of the tick. Um, and But it's always worth a conversation having with your healthcare provider. I never, ever, ever mind when somebody calls and says they've had a tick bite, can they come in and be seen? I'd always rather err on the side of caution with that. Okay. All right. Thank you, Shannon. And I'm gonna. We've got Buddy Black uh, back with us with a response to a question. I'm betting this is gonna be about the the insect clothing. Good morning, Billy. Uh, Buddy. You got it. All right. Tell me what it is. Okay. I want to just make a quick comment on this uh, lady calling in right now about the tick removal okay. and how long. If you are embedded by a tick, a tick, any tick and you know it, you need two weeks of doxycycline. The longer that tick has been there, you might need three weeks, four weeks. You know, forget about the bullseye already. Right. You know, that, that doesn't really mean Very, Yeah, not everybody gets that, and so it definitely is not the the that's only right. reason to, to right. seek uh, care. No, Correct. Not, not, that's right. Not all of our ticks in Mississippi contain Lyme disease. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you're playing the odds. Right. If, uh, you know, you don't get medical assistance. And uh, why do that? And and the second thing is your genetics could fight it off. You know, not everybody. Right. Not everybody that contracts it has has the same symptoms. Correct. That's right. You know, so, uh, you know, why why worry about that? I mean, I could have spent $20, you know, gone to the doctor if I'd only known in the beginning and uh, fought off all of these years of torment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, okay. The all right. What's the clothing? Tell me about it. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can. There, you know, because I hunt, I do know about clothing. I don't know specific brands because I told you before. You know, I treat my clothing. I wear right. regular clothing. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. And um, so if you go on the internet and type in type in tick proof clothing, you'll find a couple of manufacturers. Yeah, that, I did that, that over the break. Happen. I saw them as well. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something else that I do that I get around that in a way. Uh, you know, materials like uh, cold gear, heat gear, made by Under Armour. Mm-hmm. They're real close knit, right? You know? And um, I wear that. You know, in the early season, I wear the heat gear because you know I pull it tight around my ankles and and um, wrists. And, um, you know, stuff in the shirt tail and all that. And it's treated with polyethrin just like everything else is. Which, you know, that, I, I go over and beyond because I can't get reinfected. So, you know, there are certain things you can do, yep. you know, to, to 
wore it off, and that's good for chiggers too, the red bugs. Yeah, that, you know, I was talking about those. Those will just itch you to death once you get a chigger bite. So thanks for calling in with that, buddy. Thank you for both of those comments. You have a great day. And I did Google over the uh, the break about uh, clothing for insect repellent, and I'm looking at them. Some of them look very, very similar to just regular kind of athletic under under armor type things, like um, Buddy mentioned. And but some of them look like a beehive outfit, like a beekeeper outfit, which um, I don't know how uh, movable and. Uh, user-friendly that would be if you were trying to do an outdoor activity. Um, I just want to make sure that, you know, if you're you're wearing long sleeves, wearing long pants, um, that you are getting breathable material when you do that because you don't want, especially with the heat, you don't want to overheat yourself with that. So um, some of these products do look like they offer, their material is a little bit more breathable than than others. So that is out there. We're going to go to Aaron in Biloxi. Good morning, Aaron. Yes, ma'am. How are you? Wonderful. How are you today? I'm just fantastic. What can we help you with today? Yes, ma'am. I just wanted to make a few comments sure. related to the heat exposure. I do a lot of Ironman racing, and so we're expected or you know, to run in this heat. And right. so we've learned over the time that there's some there's some fabrics that people are kind of talking about. They're a, they're a blend of polyesters and spandex-type materials that are this tight knit, and you can get them in colors obviously various colors but i've noticed that white seems to be obviously the best and right. if you keep it wet you can really for heat and you can control the amount of sun that you're going to take in mm-hmm. the day of being outside and then another side to this is mitronutrinia which is something that i'm always kind of conscious about when sweating you know all day long and just taking in water so i, right. I kind of add other things to it i think you alluded to like electrolytes and whatnot right I use chicken broth as one. It's kind of a weird thing, but it's, okay. a, you know, in the course of a day, it's a good mix, you know, to add in there. But Getting in some protein, too. For sure. <laughs> but you're right. With white clothing is going to be better as it kind of uh, repels or, or doesn't pull in as much of the heat rays. If uh, if you're listening and you know me, you know my favorite color is, is black, and that's what I wear a lot. But when I'm out uh, exercising outside, I try and do lighter colors uh, for that reason. And then you're exactly correct. If you're going to be outside or even inside training and, and doing prolonged exercise, then you will need something other than just plain water so you can do um, electrolyte uh, replacement drinks um, like propel fitness water something like that um, you can do you know Gatorade Powerade those kinds of things I just caution people on the sugar that comes along with those um, and then um, you know even a, a Pedialyte or the Pedialyte popsicles that go along with that can be good options for that but I had not heard the chicken broth um, I will uh, I will consider that uh, do you do it cold or hot uh, sometimes you just have to do it however it is because oh. it'll be hot sitting out there. Yeah. It's just a break because I do a lot of the sugars, like you were talking about, right. the complex carbohydrates. Right. So after you've done those for a while, they just become Blah. not palatable. Yeah. A while, so yeah. It's just a quick way to get something else in, you know? Yep, as is. Thank you so much for that, Aaron. Yes, ma'am. Have, have a great day. You too. 
All right. We're answering your questions about summer safety and the heat and the sun and and all of and bug safety. And if you have a question for us or a comment, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline dot org. We can go to Port Gibson and talk with Linda. Good morning, Linda. Yes, yes uh, I like to uh, say what I do to keep cool during this hot summer, and I do it all year round. Uh, I take a bottle of water, and uh, I buy. I have a fruit with me, like a peach or an apple or something like that. And that water, you know, it's good to have with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you know, people usually say, "Why are you taking all of that water?" But water is nourishment for the body, right. really. Right. And we're all yeah. a little bit kind of dehydrated chronically. We don't drink enough water. So it's it's great when I see people who are just kind of sipping along with water throughout their day yeah, and keeping themselves along. hydrated. And uh, I noticed when I went to uh, <laughs> London, um, they don't even they don't even have cold bottled water. Right. Everything's so kind of lukewarm. It's just lukewarm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was already prepared for it because I, I drink uh, lots of water. I have not always done that, but that's what I, that's what I do. Uh, I used to drink up to four or five Cokes a day. Mm. And uh, I went on a diet, protein diet that, that uh, had me to... Uh, Cut down my, my, uh, you know, cut down my water, my, uh... Your Coke habit? Coke habit. Yeah, and get some my more Coke, water in there. My Coca-Cola habit. That's right. So I'm glad to hear that you're yeah. drinking more water, and that is a great uh, tip. I uh, lost, uh, I went from 182 and 32 and currently I'm weighing 132. Fantastic. So I love the tip to kind of keep that water bottle with you. And I also love that you mentioned having some kind of fruit with you because fruit can actually be a good source of hydration. A lot of our fruits out there are very juicy and have a lot of water content to them. And so they make an excellent kind of um, way to get in some extra hydration without just being blah with the water. So things like oranges, um, Apples even, and you mentioned those peaches. Watermelon is another good one. It's got water in the name, and it is about 95% water. So that is good ways to stay hydrated with some good cold fruit. So if you want to talk with us about summer safety, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org, and we'll be back after the break. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. 
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, the host of Mummy Talks on MPB Think Radio. Each week, Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College, joins me and answers questions about credit, investing, saving for retirement, and all things finance. Also, we invite you to call in and share your successes in navigating the personal finance challenges that we all face. Money Talks, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio. can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, here with my guest, Dr. Carl Mangum. And we're answering your questions today about uh, summer safety and how to have the happiest and healthiest summer that we can have. But I do have an email that I want to get to before we get uh, caught up in our next topic um, from BJ in Vicksburg, who has a question about fatty liver. Uh, the question is, could it be caused from my history of mental illness medications? In the past, the strongest medicines that I've used would be Zyprexa, Seroquel, and Risperdal. Um, and I'm currently on Geodon and Cymbalta. So lucky for us, we've got uh, Dr. Mangum here, whose specialty is actually psych mental health. I'm going to let him talk just a little bit about the um, side effects of medications, and then I'll talk about fatty liver in general. Overall, um, as with any medication, we're going to be concerned about side effects, and they can be different from person to person based on the medication and uh, your genetic makeup and the things you're prone to. Uh, Generally, fatty liver is more linked with uh, diet, exercise, diabetes, other metabolic issues that are going on in the body. Um, I'm not going to say that um, the medications definitely will cause it. Different medications can affect people in different ways. And um, I would also encourage you to talk with your primary care provider about this uh, because if you've been diagnosed with fatty liver, uh, they should be able to give you more information on what you need to do and what you don't need to do. Uh, Correct your medications to make sure you have the best possible uh, regimen going uh, for the fatty liver um, and things like that. Right. And so when we talk about fatty liver, there's actually two kinds of fatty liver. You can have um, fatty liver that is caused by excessive alcohol consumption, that type of thing. That's alcoholic fatty liver disease. And then the one that we see most common out in in the general practice is what we call NASH, which is actually non-alcoholic fatty liver. And um, certain medications can definitely cause liver injury because a lot of medications are metabolized through the liver, um, but not as closely related to the fatty liver part, which is actually the deposition of fat into the liver area. And that is usually result a result of, of insulin resistance is actually what's going on. Now, there are medications that can cause insulin resistance. So 
can that theoretically then cause fatty liver? Absolutely. Um, but insulin resistance is usually a product of um, that we overeat and we kind of stress out our pancreas and it stops uh, not um, not working as well. We don't respond to the insulin that it uh, makes as well. And so you know, good treatments for fatty liver or diet and exercise, losing about 5 to 10% of your total body weight um, can help bring uh, the, the numbers back down closer into the normal range. And then strangely enough, even cholesterol medications that we often say, hey, those can hurt your liver, they can actually be used to treat um, fatty liver disease. So I hope that helps. Um, BJ, if not, you can go ahead and email me back and I'll be happy to send you some more information. All right, back to talking about summer safety and uh, heat safety and sun safety. And we're going to go to Linda in Houston with a question about or a comment about clothes to wear in the heat. Good morning, Linda. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? We're doing just fine today. What can we help you with? Okay, I have a tip for staying cool in the Mississippi heat. Well, lay it on me. Yes, wear pure linen. Linen is the best thing in the world in the heat and the humidity. It does (laughs) breathe very well. It's hard to find. And the next best thing is, of course, 100% cotton, Cotton. if you can find Mm -hmm. that. Because cotton soaks up the water, the sweat, and the, the linen, it just sort of wafts away. And we've we've just gotten too much into this polyester, which is the most uncomfortable thing ever invented. <laughs> you're right. Linen does breathe beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. Also makes for beautiful pictures if you're at the beach. You can get your and you can wrangle your whole family into some linen. Um, those yeah. make for great pictures. But thank you for that tip, Linda. Okay. Have a good Bye-bye. Monday. You too. All Bye. right. Bye bye. All right, so we've talked about kind of sun and bugs and and heat. And before we leave the heat topic, I want to talk just very briefly about um, leaving people in vehicles in in the in the heat. Um, you know, we don't and I use the word people to mean all living things. So you know, our animals and our uh, relatives and family members. You know, we usually often see uh, you know a good uh, bit of press if there is you know a child left in a hot vehicle um, and that usually happens a couple of times every summer season across the nation dr mangum do you have any tips on how to just remember that there's extra passengers in your car well there's a lot of things one can do um different um, different companies have actually come out with several different things tags that you can put on your keys uh, tags on your door on your window uh, People even leave things like in the back seat to remind them when they get out, hey, I've got to pick up this other thing. And, oh, wait a minute, there's a child in here um, that I'm supposed to drop off somewhere. I know a lot of people think, well, it wouldn't happen to me, but it could. Uh, We get really busy in our day-to-day activities. And um, if we're out of our normal routine uh, and not paying attention, um, something simple as that can happen. Um, not making any excuses for anyone anywhere. Uh, but the, the best thing to do is have some type of system that's good for you that makes you look for that child, that pet, that whatever living being is in there. One of the things that I do, I have uh, seven grandsons, and so they range from age from uh, seven to about a year. And uh, so at different times of the week, uh, I may have anywhere from one to five of them. <laughs> and... Um, 
So um, I even have a, a put notes on my front door on the inside when I'm getting ready to leave. And if I know children have been there or have spent the night or I have to take them to school or pick them up, uh, I'll leave that name and that yellow piece of paper right there on the door so it's looking me right in the eye when I walk out so I don't go off and leave anyone at home uh, even. So there's a lot of things you can do. You need to prepare for it. Um, the worst possible mentality you can have is it'll never happen to me uh, because um, usually something will happen to you if you have that mentality. But plan ahead um, and prepare. Talk to family members um, and, and leave those reminders for you. I know school buses have the tag they place in the back window after the bus driver has went through and looked everything, saying this bus is empty, and then they put that tag in the window. All those things are great things to do. Um, I don't want to say just pay attention because um, that's not always enough as we go through our daily lives. All right. We all kind of lose attention. I know that, I know I will sometimes drive somewhere, and then when I get there, I stop and think, how did I how'd I get here? You know, I can't really think about, you know, that I consciously made that decision to get there. And, you know, with my kids, of course, they're older now and would probably scream at me if I tried to leave them in the car. But, you know, with my husband and I, we have uh, not set schedules, you know, so it's not he takes a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I take them Tuesday, Thursday. So you can't get in that habit. So, you know, I always have my my briefcase with my tons of papers and my cell phone. I put that in the back seat. That way I'm always having to reach back and grab that um, as a as a reminder. And so then I can see my sweet little babies behind me there. But just get a plan that works for you um, with that. And that goes for, you know, we don't want to leave anyone in a car that is not running. Um, our elderly patients are, in, are, and I call them patients, but our, our elderly uh, population is uh, very prone to heat exhaustion and heat stroke um, because they're not able to regulate their electrolytes as well. So uh, make sure that we're not leaving grandma in the car either with that. So those are our tips on uh, not leaving anyone behind in the car. And I want to talk about bicycle safety. So my my two boys um, have, I, you know, I have just worried and worried and worried that they're never going to learn how to ride a bike um, and have just fussed and tried and all that kind of stuff. And it just didn't work. And lo and behold, my eight-year-old got his bike out this uh, summer and hopped on it and just took off riding. So, you know, they will ride it when they are ready. Um, but what we're struggling with is getting him to wear a helmet. And that is so important. So let's talk about bike safety and why that's so important. Well, great topic. Um, um, growing up, I had um, I had a bunch of bicycles. And of course, in the 60s and early 70s, we didn't have helmets. And um, we're lucky that most of us survived. <laughs> um, but uh, with my boys, uh, we required them to wear helmets as they were, uh, rode their bicycles. And one of the things, if you were caught without your helmet, your bicycle was taken away from you for a month, uh, 30 days. Uh, that was a penalty for not having your helmet on. Um, it's that serious. And most people say, oh, well, it's not going to happen to me. I guess that's my theme for today. It's not going to happen to mm-hmm. me. Uh, but it can, and it possibly will. Um, one of the things you might want to do is um, I, I showed um, my boys some pictures of Olympic athletes. Um, and what do they have on helmets? Now, those helmets are a little funny looking because they're designed for speed. Right. Uh, but the idea is that, hey, these are world-class athletes and they wear a helmet. Uh, when you see police officers and other people on motorcycles, they have their helmets on. Um, and it's a, you know, I tried to get across to them that, hey, this is important. Um, 
it depends on your definition of cool, uh, of how things look, uh, but it sure beats having that closed head injury. Right. Um, and there's no no other way I can explain it, to, and I certainly can't take everyone to a hospital and let you be in an intensive care unit to see someone that's had a head injury that may have been prevented or limited if they'd had a helmet on. Right. Um, it's just that important. Um, and I, again, we go through these things daily with kids and grandchildren, and we don't think anything's going to happen. But statistics show that they do. Mm -hmm. And planning ahead and being firm about it uh, and consistent, as with anything dealing with children, uh, is quite important. And I encourage everyone to to do that. One thing I'm going to sneak in here on you, uh, talking about that kid's safety, uh, one of the things that kind of burns me up is is parents at restaurants taking the uh, high chairs and flipping them upside down and placing the baby's carrier and with the baby in it on the base of the uh, high chair up in the air. And that is so dangerous. Um, the high chair is not designed to be upside down setting for anyone. And um, I've seen this several times the past several weeks at different restaurants throughout the, throughout the metro area. And um, I would ask for people to really rethink some of that. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, you wouldn't allow your child to sit in the chair upside down, so why would you put the baby um, in there upside down? And uh, I will say that I'm guilty of this back many, Me many, too. many, many, many years ago. Uh, but um, my education and a little common sense has come about and said, no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, if the restaurant managers out there will help me, and when you see that, offer something else. And you can uh, buy the slings that are designed to hold the carriers. And if you don't have those in the restaurant or your favorite place didn't have them, ask the manager or the owner to order some so you can have them so baby can be safe. Right. Or just simply set that carrier on the ground if, the, if there's no other option. That, that's right. You can't you can't fall too far if you're already on the ground. That's right. And I don't know about y'all, but my kids would never sit in them uh, when I left them in the carrier. They immediately wanted to come out and uh, scream and throw things on the floor. So they didn't they didn't live in the carrier for very long with that. A couple things on bike safety. Um, you know, as a pediatric nurse, I have seen uh, too many injuries that resulted from children not wearing their bicycle helmets, and it, it's often not in, in the cases where they were going on um, extended rides or going out of their neighborhood. It was actually those short trips. They were just going to ride around the driveway. They were just going to ride down the street to their friend's house, something like that, um, where they, you know, just kind of skidded and fell over. When you look at a what happens when you have a bike accident, the head is what usually lands first. And, you know, you can talk about statistics with, with brain injuries all you want, but kids don't care about that. But what I tell my boys is I say, okay, let's look at our body. You've got two feet, right? So if you hurt one, you've got another. You've got two arms. So if you hurt one, you've got another. But you've only got how many heads? And they say one. And I said, okay, that's why it's so important that we put this bicycle helmet on. And uh, what I actually have found more success in is, you know, I had bought their bicycle helmets, what I thought they would like, you know, like a cars, you know, mater type situation for the little one and like, you know, 
Star Wars or something for the older one. And they just did. Those were not cool. Those were not what they wanted to wear. So we took them to the store and let them pick out their own bicycle helmets. And there's some, yeah, there's some really cool ones out there now that come with these like markers, these dry erase markers. And so they change their helmet every day. You know, they wipe off what they've drawn on there today and draw something else on there. And they're able to kind of change their their personality through um, through their little helmet. So just find what works for you. But we have a uh, no excuse policy. You have to have that helmet on. And you mentioned, you know, Olympic athletes and policemen. That's about them seeing a role model. And, you know, for a little kid, their biggest role model is their parent. That's right. So, Mom and dad, it's up to you. Yeah. If you're out there with them, you need to have your helmet on. You need to have your helmet on. Even, you know, and if you don't have one, go get one because they need to know that you feel like it's that important as well. Um, kind of piggybacking on that is water safety, and I want to talk a little bit about that. We've got a few minutes left. If you want to give us a call, you can at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. So we just moved out to the reservoir, and so boats are everywhere, and water safety is just as important as bicycle safety. So what are some kind of protective things that we need in the water? Well, if you have children and you're near water, you always have to have an eye on them, always. No exceptions, no, I'm just ran to the restroom. I just ran inside to get some more tea or lemonade. It's if you go inside and you're the only adult out there watching them, they need to come in with you. And I realize that's a hassle and most of you thought nothing will ever happen. Usually when things happen to small children in water, it's because uh, several adults may be around and one adult thinks the other adult's watching them, and that adult thought the other one was watching them, and it turns out nobody was watching them. And it's one of those things that um, you have to be completely aware of what's going on if you're out there with children. Of course, when it comes to watercraft, any type of boat, jet ski, things like that, safety is paramount. The kids shouldn't be driving them. Um, I hate to bust people's bubble. I know <laughs> they've got probably three-year-olds out there that ride jet skis, but they shouldn't be. They they do not have the coordination and the thoughtfulness to do that. That's why 12-year-olds don't drive cars. Um, it, it's They need that maturity. Decision-making right, skills, to able, able to, to problem-solve. Of course, always wear a flotation device. Please, please, please wear a flotation device. Everyone needs to have one, not only the kids, all the adults, again, Set the role model standard for what needs to go on. Um, don't make exceptions. There, this is one of those times you just—it's not worth it um, in any any account. Um, make sure you have first aid kits that are around. Make sure someone knows how to do CPR. Make sure you have a way to call nine one one for additional help. Um, Those are all great things. You know, actually, next week starts Boat Safety Week. And so flotation devices are so important. We're talking about life jackets here. Please make sure that your life jacket is an approved life jacket from the Coast Guard. It usually has a little label on the inside of it. And that it fits correctly. Um, And then don't use a flotation device as a parenting tool. So just because your child has on a flotation device does not mean that you then can play on your cell phone. You still have to watch those children. Um, I have seen children slip down in the life jacket, especially if it was too big or if they loosened up the straps a little bit. Um, My littlest one wears one that has a a strap that goes in between his legs as well Mm -hmm. to kind of help hold that in place. Um, And if you're out on a watercraft, 
everyone has to have a life jacket and I would always throw in an extra flotation device and then don't forget some kind of noisemaker. We tie a whistle to our flotation devices as well. That way if you get separated from someone in the water, you just start tooting on your whistle and let us know where you are. And that's going to be our show for today on summer safety. If you have any uh, questions or comments, you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Thanks to my guest as always, Dr. Carl Mangum. And we, you've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Come back next week for medication safety. Mm-hmm.